This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film. This time we're talking about David Fincher's 1997 thriller, The Game. As I mentioned, it's directed by David Fincher, who's done a lot of stuff that I like and admire. Fight Club, Panic Room, A Girl to Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Mank, just to name a few. It's written by the dynamic duo John Broncato and Michael Ferris. One of those uh, writing duos that, that uh, actually share a Wikipedia article. They don't have independent ones. They only write together and they've written films such as Terminator 3. Sandra Bullock's The Net, Catwoman starring Halle Berry, uh, and they wrote this well-regarded David Fincher film. Pretty incredible. It stars Michael Douglas, Basic Instinct, Falling Down, Traffic, Wall Street, famous for getting throat cancer from going down on his wife, Hero, Sean Penn, Mystic River, Carlito's Way, Fast Times at uh, Ridgemont High, Deborah Kara Unger, who is kind of a Rosamond Pike figure okay. I found. Yeah, ask. She's very, very Gone Girl. Uh, you've seen her in Highlander Three, Crash, the the um, the, the not not the the new one, the old one, the nineties one I have about not the seen people her in Highlander Three. People getting horned up about paraplegics and amputees and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, Fucking weird are- film. It, it, is, and, is that uh, that that's a uh, what's Spader. his name? No, no, James the, Bader, the director, the the oh shit, uh, <laughs> I can't think of his name. Yeah, it's not Verhoeven. It's uh the other fucked up <laughs> guy, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, who directed this piece of shit? You're gonna say uh, like, Paul Haggis. You weren't thinking. No, that's what? the new one. That's the new one. No, what's the okay. other one? Crash '96. David Cronenberg, right? Cronenberg, it's Cronenberg. Yes. It's, I knew it was going to be a weirdo, weirdo thing. Um, James Rebhorn, who we know as a sinister CIA director from Independence Day. It's also in My Cousin Vinny, Ascent of a Woman, etc. And Tommy Flanagan, uh, the Irish actor who's got like the prominent scar on his face. That's always the cool dude, like second lieutenant in command and, and gladiator and Braveheart. He plays kind of a psychotic cab driver in this movie. Uh Jim, I didn't even know this movie existed. I didn't know that it was David Finch's first movie that he got to make all on his own without, you know, any kind of studio pressure or whatnot. Um, uh, I, I didn't have any kind of pedigree on it. It's just like, oh, the I it, it, hmm. I think serendipitously it's the 25th anniversary coming up. OK. And uh, I think the 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 club members selected this from a slate of three movies. I'm not sure what the other two movies were. Uh, that's all I knew going into it. What ha, have you seen this movie movie before? What did you think of it then? And what do you think of it now? Yeah, boy, I saw this movie a long time ago. Uh, had to be in like my early twenties. So I had different perspectives on things. Um, of course, when this kind of movie is fresh, I feel like it's more interesting because it is a psychological thriller and it involves a lot of deception. And if you already know where the deceptions are coming from, it's not quite as entertaining. So I found it 
a little bit worse the second time around um, or a little less enjoyable, let's say, the second time around. Uh, part of that is also down to the fact that I've seen Michael Douglas and other things, uh, including Wall Street. And it's hard for me to separate the baggage that I have from Wall Street and his character mm-hmm. in that with this movie because he's playing such a similar character. And so when you're talking about like, what does he deserve? What kind of ending does he deserve? I don't know that I have a lot of sympathies for this character because I've seen wall street, even though there's nothing in this movie that really tells me he's a bad guy, but I had trouble divorcing those two characters. That's one thing I have in my notes is like, cause I, I, I haven't watched a lot of Michael Douglas, you know? Um, and now that I've, I've, I've started seeing more and more of him, a lot of it, he's very Harrison Ford-esque in that he's kind of playing the same guy. There's different characters and there's different like sides of that character. But like he has got that he's he's hired not because he disappears into the role. He's hired mm-hmm. because he's fucking Gordon Gecko. Yeah. And you want to see Gordon Gecko get his comeuppance. You want to see Gordon Gecko, you know, go through a Scrooge type of situation. You want to see Gordon Gecko get laid off of his job and shoot up at McDonald's. You you want to see that intensely, tightly wound, disciplined person uh, be psychologically deconstructed. Yeah. But I, I did. I do think that like I don't and I don't know why, because like I never think when I'm watching Harrison Ford, geez, I'm tired of this Harrison Ford stick. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I was uh, watching this movie and I'm like, I'm kind of tired of this Michael Douglas stick. Oh, OK. This guy seems constipated throughout the entire movie. Yeah, we saw Basic Instinct not too long ago, and that was a slightly different side of his character that I enjoyed. Um, you know, his character being the guy he always plays. Uh but yes, I largely agree. Like this movie is very similar to Falling Down, right? It's yep. It's it's in a lot of ways similar in in plot, or I guess like the the idea that he likes to play actor. He he likes to act in movies where the plot is kind of chaos happening and things unraveling, and you know ha- having a very very bad day, that kind of thing. Because uh, Basic Instinct is a lot of that too. He's he's playing cat and mouse games with someone who he's kind of in over his head with. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's like attracted to these scripts personally or if it just happens like, hey, these are the big movies of the era. And since he was or maybe directors are like, I, I need a guy who can do this thing. Yeah. This is essentially a yeah, Michael Douglas role. It's yeah, uh, I mean, it sounds like he's he wearing gets... expensive suits and he's in some kind of finance. Get me right. Douglas. <laughs> It does sound like he is pretty much during this era able to write his own ticket, right? I mean, he can he can pick and choose. He pick and cho- Probably. choose He's this a movie. Huge actually. star, yeah. Like he can, he kind of made this movie possible. So, oh, I didn't know I, that. Yeah, I guess it got stuck in production hell, and a small mm. studio took over um, and bought the rights to it or something. This propaganda films, and then he, mm. they, they wanted to cast him. They sent it to him and. He was like, I don't know if I want to take this movie because it's such a small studio. I'm not sure I can get distribution. Mm-hmm. But then him being attached to the movie kind of made the movie happen. So gotcha. That happens a lot. I saw that um, for his part, David Venture fell in love with the script. Uh, there's a scene where a fake apartment is involved. and He got there. He's like, oh, this is the most incredible script I've ever read. I, I so I guess we haven't talked about my opinion other than uh-huh. I was kind of like sick of Michael Douglas stick. Um 
I'm really hot and cold with this film because I really admire yeah. what they're doing. I really admire like a late 20th century, a Christmas Carol, essentially mm-hmm. that you got this miserable shit of a person and they do such a great job of framing him in isolation. He's eating alone. Mm-hmm. He's lives in this. He's like Bruce Wayne uh, living in this giant mansion. That's a mausoleum to his parents also, yeah. or at least his father. Um, he's on his 48th birthday and we find out his father committed suicide on his 48th uh, birthday. And there's interesting symmetry there. And like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting close to this age. Just, uh, I'm not living in a mansion here, but like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some of this, uh, ennui. and this weird shit started happening, you know, with this like game he's playing. And it's like, is the, is, is this a game? Is he getting taken care? You know, is, is, is this like a prank being pulled on him? Or are they trying to see? And I was kind of involved, but then there's a couple things where I'm like, well, this is just fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Like this. And then the, it, this it kept on twist like Truman show at times where like they have ultimate control over the environment, which is San Francisco, right? <laughs> the city of yes. San Francisco. There, there's no way you could have, but the scope and the scale of the conspiracy here yeah. is like, it, it did make me think of like, <laughs> if I was a billionaire, like Jeff Bezos, would I spend a billion dollars to do this to Elon Musk? Mm-hmm. I kind of think I would. I'm just, I'm surprised oh, yeah. these guys don't fuck with each other in real. Maybe it's because it would start a fucking financial world war. And nobody wants a piece of that, but like, <laughs> They're waiting yeah, to do if you it had those kind of resources, you could do you you could kind of do stuff. Yeah, you could kind of you could kind of do stuff like this at that kind of scale. But I guess it kept on thinking. They they kind of lampshade it with like, oh, look at the bill. Oh my God, it's shocking, even to like rich guys. But and then the 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 last act, I still don't know what to think about that. I was mm-hmm. like talking myself into two separate endings, and then the third one came, and I'm like, huh, huh, huh. Um, and I thought then I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I think and I thought they were going where they're going with that. And then they kind of veered off of that, too. So I, I felt like it's, um, you know, I think David Fincher is a little bit more cerebral. He doesn't he doesn't quite go for your heart, although sometimes, he you know, he gets there by way of viscerality, you know, mm-hmm. uh what's in the box and, 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 and so on and so forth. But like it's yeah. very rarely you know, like deep sentimentality of love, a complicated love between brothers, you know? Sure. And I feel like maybe you needed something like that because, you know, like I said, I was just noticing that he's alone, I, but I wasn't feeling any certain way about it. It seemed like he prefers it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he puts off like this force field of uh, inconvenience and, and hassle to everyone that interacts with him. Uh I thought Roger Ebert made a really smart observation that there's this interaction he has with his secretary where she's like, uh, you know, Mr. Douglas, uh, woman McGee is on the other line and she pauses and says, it's your ex-wife. And he's like, I know. Uh, And he said, you know, he's the type of boss that like if she hadn't supplied that it's his ex-wife, he would have been like uh, woman Magoo who? Uh, because like just just she's she's there in no win situations. Like you yeah. wish him a happy birthday, he wants to fire you. You ignore the, be- the birthday, he the you know uh fires you. It's it's it, so it's like ah. And why did he get this way? You know, like there's this this so wound there are clues. Yeah, well, I mean, his father's death certainly traumatized him. But then it it so, so the one thing I'm not sure about is this um the age, the timing of his father's death. He's so young when that happens. Mm. And 
I think they went that way for like the traumatization aspect of it. But then there's also right. the other aspect, which is he had to step in and be the, the glue that held the family together. Yeah. And in my opinion, he's way too young to do that when uh, his father commits suicide. So it, it, what happened there? Did they wait for a while and and like wait for him to grow up and then he held the family together? What happened in the uh, intervening years there? Well, first of uh, all, but, but they're all about- rich as fuck. So like uh-huh. they probably had a whole staff taking care of the children. But I, I think it's right. more this of is like pursuit of happiness. Right. This is not like it's kind of oh, more shit, of like when his when his brother hit the skids and started doing drugs and flunking out of cot. Like he was the guy who had to try to hold his family together in that capacity. So it wasn't okay. like, you know, so it was later. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. He he feels as if he has to have this extreme control over everything. And yeah. that reflects in his mannerisms and the way he lives his life. And th- that part I was definitely getting. And so, you know, the rest of the movie makes a lot of sense from that perspective. Well, that's a podcast. Uh, thanks for coming to the print. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else? Uh, do we want to say before? I guess um, I- I'll make a couple other observations. I think the soundtrack is kind of God awful. It is like a NBC uh or a CBS CSI type level, you know, like a true crime, like just minor piano chords and mood music, nothing that, you know, just, you know, just, just all this, like over just these, these weird kind of spooky cues as weird shit is happening. I didn't like, I think the soundtrack was, was kind of subpar. Um, the movie looks great. It's extremely disciplined like you would expect from a Fincher film. He's kind of, I've heard a mini Kubrick in that he just does take after take after take. He knows exactly what he's looking for and he is pouring over each frame, trying to make sure it all fits into that. There's a lot of really, we mentioned Douglas in isolation. I think some of the austere beauty of the film is shots like him going under this massive arch and he's just looked like an inch on the screen and you know him being framed in this uh he's like playing the handball in like the fucking phantom zone or something it's jet black and uh-huh. uh he's being framed by like the squares in the wall and you know it's just, it's just a very contained existence i thought very atmospheric i guess i would say the camera work yeah and the whole movie is very dark um the the cover of the movie is very dark right to reflect uh all the mm-hmm. night scenes that take place because mm-hmm. i would say 80 percent of this movie takes place at night hmm yeah probably uh i guess that's just to give it a more uh sort of out of control sinister feel to it and, and we said michael douglas is michael douglas but he also is delivering exactly the energy in every scene. Like there's almost no energy to beginning. He's just, you know, just, just idling mm-hmm. and he kind of revs up in a board scene a little bit. And then he kind of revs up when he's sticking it to an old partner. Uh, but he's kind of idling. And, and even in the initial stages of the game, it's like, he's not necessarily worried. And I, I always felt like he, his frame with what was going on was always kind of exactly right. Yeah. No, I think he did a great job in this movie. It's just, do you like the character yeah. that Michael Douglas plays or not? Yeah. Uh, do you have any, we have any other free-floating observations before we want to get into the spoiler section? Uh, how about Sean Penn? Let's see your relationship with ah. Sean Penn. Because I have not seen a ton of Sean Penn stuff. I haven't seen his most notable stuff. Like, what he He's in that Harvey Milk movie that I think is just mm-hmm. called Milk. 
Mystic River is one I still spin on. My, oh, that, that's yeah. the one that every time I because I kind of talk a little shit about Sean Penn. I don't understand what the, all the hype is over. Um, I didn't enjoy him in kind of a bonkers lawyer kind of way on Carlito's Carlito's way. Yeah. Like he's his char- he's essentially his character for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and he went through law school. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, but Mystic River is the one. He is great in that. Uh, Mystic River is the one that always gets mentioned. Um, I just haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen Milk either. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of like I don't, I've never seen a role with him where I'm like this guy. Uh, boy, what a star! Uh, I thought he's, but yeah, he's he's good as this guy's brother, and he gets to play like three different versions of that. Yeah, he he plays really good against the Michael Douglas type. I think you know playing that more freewheeling brother who's out living a life, uh, kind of out of control in a lot of ways. Yeah, he does a good job in the scant scenes he has. He has like three. Yeah, he's in the movie scenes? like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, um, and he does a lot to to portray who this guy is. Hats off to casting and hair and makeup and costuming because the other thing is, oh my god, I maybe this is just a fact and I haven't noticed it, but I felt like Penn and Douglas share more than a passing resemblance. Like they read like brothers in this film. Hmm. Okay, uh, and I think part of that is Penn kind of you know um subtly kind of aping douglas's body language and and style like he does feel like the kid brother here anything else i don't before we get to the spoiler section no okay if you haven't seen this this 25 year old movie as of last week or i guess two weeks ago september september 12th um michael douglas essentially plays a gordon gecko type he's a soulless uh financier living in san francisco uh, in a giant mansion all by himself, we find out, uh, as we've already previously mentioned, that his fa- uh, father killed himself when he was young. He had to take over family responsibilities. It's turned him into a cold, uptight person. His brother comes on his birthday after being estranged, what it feels like for a while, for various reasons, and says, I want you to play this game. It, I played it and it changed my life. Michael Douglas reluctantly takes him up on the offer. He's put through a a battery of psychological and physical tests told is rejected from the game because he doesn't meet their standards. And yet bizarre things start happening to happening to him. First, it starts off in petty things like a waitress spilling cranberry juice on his shirt and a pocket pin leaking into his thing and, and a combination lock on his briefcase, not working, but soon it spirals it oh my god it spirals so much mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm just as i was recounting i'm like oh my god the stakes are so small in the beginning and by the end yeah. oh i can't say anything because it's spoilers if you want to know um how he survives this little morality play slash test slash nigerian print scam you're gonna have to watch 1997's the game uh and it, and if you don't want to get spoiled i guess it's time to get the fuck out of here We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now, back with more Bald Move. I, so there's a lot of things where in this movie, I kept on thinking they were going to be relevant and they never were like a, a constant theme in the first part of the movie is Michael Douglas refusing to help people. Yeah, yeah. Like four or five people come up to him in the first 15 minutes of the film and be like, hey, can you help me out? Ranging from like uh, a street bum uh, to a person that needs toilet paper. Like, you know, the, he's he's in that dreaded position, public bathroom. You've already done the number two. You look over. Oh, my God. It's nothing but a cardboard tube. Uh, while Michael Douglas help a guy like that out. And he just keeps on flat refusing it. And I'm like, well, this is going to be relevant and maybe it is maybe it isn't i've only seen this movie once but there seem to be a lot of like kind of dead ends and misconnections in this film yeah uh a lot a lot of red herrings i I guess thematically there's maybe a couple red herrings too yeah i don't think like him not helping people really factored into the con here um I, i guess you're right but i was impressed with how many things do come back and how successfully they bring them back and especially well, as, a, as a veteran of this film tell me to, yeah walk me through some of it if you don't mind um there's just a lot of little stuff like the pin um that he's handed by the guy to sign the the contracts or whatever for the game yeah ends up leaking in his pocket i mean there's right it, all all the things I, I would say you probably haven't missed much of anything because all the things they want you to they want to say hey this thing came back later they can make it pretty obvious mm-hmm. it's not like they're hiding a lot of stuff back there um mm-hmm. to the point where like they show the taxi driver the, the taxi driver right the braveheart guy or whatever at the yeah, end of yeah. this movie and i'm like uh-huh well yeah if he wasn't in on it who the fuck was in on it yeah right Yo, that scene. Yeah, you're talking about that scene where he goes into like the cafeteria and literally everyone in the movie is sitting there uh, uh-huh. as if they've like there's like hundreds of people. Yeah. And I guess that's where the movie started to break down for me because I just started think questioning whether I don't know how much money this would cost and how do you predict yeah. how the fu- like, uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about the ending just yet. I need to I right. need to chill on that. But like, even if you're doing it as a like as a slapdash job, like they imply, you know, that Michael Douglas blew the apartment scam apart because they forgot to take the price tag off of the Goodwill lamp. So it's like <laughs> they're clearly sparing no expense, but they're not. They are sparing a little expense expense because they're 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 shopping out of the home uh, home furnishing things from from Amvets and yeah. and uh, uh, Goodwill. I. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it hangs together well, well enough. Um, I don't see a ton of like huge plot holes. I see a lot of like little. Well, I guess they couldn't exactly predict this, but they can have some fallback plans if it doesn't go right. And they kind of mention well, that toward the end of the movie. Oh, really? Because that's where I was like, how did they know? Because it seemed like this was kind of like a Heath Ledger's The Joker times 10, where it's oh. like, 
I can see how he could predict this, that, or the other, but like when it gets down to like which street the helicopter was going to fly down and what stories it was going to cross, like did he have yeah. like 500 jokers uh, on every square, you know, like canvassing like a 16 block area? And all. it's like, I, I would some of that stuff was that where like how, how did he, how did he do that? Yeah. It's, well, what do you think a modern thing would change? Because you already had cell phones extensively yeah, used getting, in this film. Getting access to tracking cell phone data then would have been a lot harder, right? It has to go directly through the phone company. Um, right. And, Whereas now you could just install a package. Right. Get somebody to download the wrong uh, bullshit game on the iOS store or something. And suddenly you've got all their life history and their location data. So yeah, I think you could do it a lot more effectively. I'd like to see like an online digital version of this, of the game mm-hmm. where people are being psychologically manipulated online because boy, that seems like it would be easy to do. Yeah. Uh, but that, I, I guess that's a, it's, it's not plot hole so much as just general growing and plausibility because mm-hmm. at like, I, I guess I decided that he was being robbed and I'm like, okay, well, the spare no expense makes a lot of uh, sense. If he's like, okay, I'm gonna, it's, it's, I'm gonna spend um, fifty million dollars to make five hundred million dollars, and I'm gonna clean out this guy's Swiss accounts and clean out of all his real estate. And, st- and I thought there's a couple of really nice turns where they made him feel like his money was stolen, uh-huh. so that he calls into a Swiss bank and t- gives him the code and you to, know to verify she, that it's they're verified, yeah. of course. And that I thought that was that's the there's where the I peak. Loved the movie, yeah. Where he's drinking, uh, you know, uh, '90s Rosamund Pike's tea, and starting to get woozy, and realizing he's been drugged. And she's like, "Yeah, you just gave away, you know, like everything else was to get you, get you to give us these codes because we had no way this this alphanumeric mm-hmm. numbers, no way we could delve that out of your brain." So, and social congratulations, you 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 got social injured, you lost it all. And I'm like, "Fucking a, this is kind of cool." Then he wakes up in a Mexican grave <laughs> uh-huh. and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to turn back or like, what the fuck? I mean, thematically it's interesting because he's like reborn, right? This is yeah, like a yeah. rebirth. Uh, this is his like bending of an arc towards becoming a better person, but he doesn't, he actually like descends even further into paranoia. And the movie um, tries to reset the the game too at that point, right? They're like, yeah. Okay, they've buried him. They've got his money. They buried him. Left he's, him. For he's dead just been in discarded. Mexico. Yeah, 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 yeah. The game's over, and now it's the question of will he be able to find the people who did it? But what? That, and I'm like, I is there going to be? Because he had the gun. He had the uh-huh. gun, and I'm thinking, oh, this might turn into some kind of crazy revenge falling down type of thing at the at the last act of this. I was it not prepared does. for what yeah. actually happens. It does. I, no, I mean not not like the very very end, but like. Okay. It absolutely had the potential to go that way, right? Yeah, yeah. If he had this gun and it was actually loaded with real bullets, all that stuff. So him going back to the gaming offices and, you know, finding that like literally everyone he's met in the whole movie is 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 an actor playing a part mm-hmm. and they go up on the roof and, you know, she like freaks out, finds out that he's got his, a hold of a real gun. This is like an unsecure. This is an Alec Baldwin shoot suddenly. And, you know, we got a live gun on the set and she's freaking out and he thinks he's still the game bullshit. And he thinks these agents of this game are coming to to get him. 
and the door busts open and it's Sean Penn with a bottle of champagne. He shoots him. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of back on board. This is fucked up <laughs> and a, a good ending. And then he goes and throws himself off the building and kind of like, and I'm like, fuck yeah i'm really this okay this is this is a this is an interesting ass way to end the film this is bleak i you know nobody's learned a goddamn thing this is like real fucking life gone wrong and then they pulled a final rug pull and i felt like they should have stopped three rugs ago I I like the, yeah. the other three endings where it's like, no, actually, this was the whole point to teach you a lesson and to get you to kill yourself. And I'm just like, I don't know, man, he smashes through like three plate glass layers of plate glass window. Well, they they rush in and say, like, breakaway glass 15 <laughs> times. Right. So that they can. Cover yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, the, close your eyes. Uh, 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 Michael Douglas, you are covered in multiple overla- overlapping lampshades and we have to carefully deconstruct <laughs> them before the film can continue. You right. know, I got all that. It just, yeah. I'm like, well, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. And then his brother's like, Oh, I had to do this to you because you're becoming too much of an asshole. Okay. Extreme, extreme action to get through to an extreme guy, I guess. And right. and then he goes, so they, they they set this thing up to where his ex-wife doesn't really want, I think she wants to get back with him and there's still feelings there and he still kind of loves her too. And there's a, there's a, maybe a, a, a rekindling at the end that like, he's like, you know, you, you, feel, you feel like that she didn't stop loving him. He just pushed her away, pushed her out of his life. Yeah, totally. Like his father did. But the very end of the movie, he hits on the fucking waitress mm-hmm. and tries to pick her up. And I'm like, well, he's well, a changed man. Is that's what the movie's telling me yeah so he's gonna just like uh get his ex-wife's hopes up and then leave her for a hotter younger waitress no i mean his ex-wife is married with a new kid i oh is she love interest at all there yeah yeah so she just benevolently cares for him and like a oh not really yeah she's always cared for him it's just he was so distant he was impossible Mm. to to love and have a relationship with and so they broke up but see i thought that they got i thought i'd heard that she had gotten remarried but then i talked myself out of it because of how like puppy dog eyes she was giving him and how the movie was kind of like Mm. yeah is mommy daddy going to get back together again kind of thing um yeah i I really i i think the last 10 minutes this movie kind of ruined it for me yeah, I mean, I have so many questions around it. Like, I, I get, you know, this guy is so far gone, you might have to go to extreme measures to pull him back from the brink here. But well, imagine, seems, imagine, in, uh, it it's impossible. a wonderful life hmm. where the angel has to spend an hour and forty-five minutes to get George to kill himself, only to rescue him and be like, "See, George, what a dumb thing you killing yourself was." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Th- like I, I almost feel like they shouldn't have man how how do you not drive him to that though after he's killed his brother well i just don't know like what did he learn what was the moral lesson don't be don't a parent always control everything yeah like sometimes things are just out of your control loosen up man That's i lesson. would like to see the most carefree fucking berkeley hippie go through the experience of this mm. film and be chill about it and just be Zen. 
you know, yeah. where you are being kidnapped, you are being buried alive, you have in whatever fortune you have taken from you, you kill your sibling, like just and let then at go, the end man. Of it, you're expected to celebrate your birthday yeah. with, with the group of your closest <laughs> friends. Like the thing that he drops into at the end is insanity. <laughs> Dude, and I feel like sitting around with champagne waiting for a man to throw himself off a building thinking he's going to end his life and end up in a birthday party. That's no, I feel like the only appropriate reaction. Unfortunately, you're not going to get this reference because you don't watch The Simpsons, but the rest of America will. That one thing where Homer uh, discovers a dead body when he's a child and he repressed it until something in his adult life reminded him of it. And he just he just like screams for 24 hours straight. He's just like, ah, and it's showing through all different scenes. Like, you know, he goes to a valet to get his keys back. He's screams like, ah, thank you. He just doesn't stop because it's just so fucking traumatized but literally they yeah. like dust the lampshade glass out of his eyes and 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 sean pin comes over there with champagne still with a giant bloody hole in his chest and is like i would think i was in hell i would yeah. think that i had woke up in hell because and here's my dead brother to welcome me into the 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 su- fucking inner circle where financiers <laughs> go right because that yeah it, it, you're, I, and you're just going to chill with all your friends dude yeah it's it's the most insane thing that happens to him in this entire movie is how this ends uh that champagne must have come from the valium region of france because there's no way he could be that chilled out after that experience no i half expect like when they go hit him and uh claire is her actual name um that they're gonna go have coffee at the airport and he's gonna end up drugged again and the whole thing's gonna start up again because that's the vibe I get is this will never end. Because mm. it's so insane. It's so insane. And I have questions like you you teased at a little bit earlier. Like what does a stunt like this cost? What could a company like CRS possibly charge that both Connie would be able to afford to pay but would also make Nicholas Van Orton look at the bill and go oh my god because sean pin's not rich right he's like a trust fund kid but he's not like gordon gecko rich and he's He's blown through a lot of it on drugs and a wildlife traveling and like all that stuff yeah he's very much a prodigal son type and i wondered this exact same thing like half a million but does half a million get a job like this done? That oh doesn't my seem God, like the scale of it. No way. And does no that pop way. the eyes out of Michael Douglas's head when he sees the that he's going to have no. to split half a million dollars? Probably not. So I was thinking this is like a 10 to 50 million dollar proposition. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking this is like an average. This is like a, a, a full mid budget movie shoot. I would think so. How yeah. <laughs> how much did it cost to make this movie? Hold on a second. <laughs> That's what it cost. The, to game. Play the game uh, yeah. budget seventy million dollars. I think it would cost seventy million dollars to do production like this with this many people involved and this many planners and this many you know uh, yeah. EPs getting all their beaks wet. Oh yeah, you got it's 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 gonna and then then you gotta you gotta advertise it. Hope it does well in China. Yeah, no, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's when it became clear to me the full scope of it. That's when I'm like, well, this I I felt the movie. I really feel like the movie works better with just him being taken advantage of. 
like he thinks he's in control and he thinks he's got everything, but he's so easily manipulated and so easily socially engineered. And he's just, it's just a big con game. And you know, he's lost everything. He's now rich people broke. Oh God, he's going to have to sell the bat, the, the bat cave. Uh, and he goes off a poor, wiser man because yeah. I just, yeah, I just don't know what you learn from what, what is the lesson? It's just like, yeah, live your life less out of control, less in control. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the ultimate problem, like I said earlier, is I'm bringing a lot of baggage from his Wall Street character into this because the characters are so similar. And so I don't feel like he deserves this happy ending. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like he deserves to throw himself, especially when he mentions like all that money you took was from pensions and retirement funds and like the common people. I'm like, well, maybe this maybe you don't deserve to get the happy ending here. Yeah, he's like screw. He's like like at the end of uh, a Christmas Carol, where Scrooge is just a changed man because he's happy. He's not going to be any more kind to his employees, or he's not going to give any of the money back that he swindled or stole. He's just mm-hmm. going to be a little bit more zen about it. Uh, they also yeah, there's they, they, an Anson Bear guy who might you know stand kind of in um, contrast to that idea because you know he gets fired over the course of this movie, and that part is real. Like. Mm-hmm. Van Orton actually fires him, um, but mm-hmm. he's okay with it because he's never been happier. He's off sailing. Uh, his yeah, can someone give me that deal with her? Can somebody give me that deal <laughs> right. where it's like I've I've been struggling at this job. It's an it's a Sisyphean task, and I'm going to get I'm going to mm-hmm. get five million dollar golden parachute and just you know sit on the beach and fucking sail the rest of my life. I, yeah, where's our severance package? Come on. I don't know. We got to get a board of directors over so we can piss them off enough for them to fire us. That's got to be the goal. All right. Uh, if you'd like to be uh, a <laughs> billionaire like be. board of directors, uh, bald, bald move candidate, send if you're email. a Russian oligarch or uh, yeah. or or some sort of oil chic and uh-huh. you would like to fire two feckless podcasters from the Midwest, golden <laughs> handcuffing them to sailboats, uh, please send that in to biz at baldmove.com. Mm-hmm. So there, there's, there's a couple others this, the, getting to the Scrooge of it. There's a couple of signposts where, you know, the ghosts of uh, Douglas Pass come and visit him. And I think there's one that was effective, like when Sean Penn comes back and is like, oh, my God, this game has gone out of control. It's got the best line reading Sean Penn being like, they fuck you and they fuck you. And just when you think it's over, that's when the real fucking begins. I really enjoyed that line. Yeah. But he's talking about how they're, you know, they, um, they're hurling accusations about how they were brothers back together and, and all that kind of stuff. And Sean Penn says something about, uh, you know, no one asked you to play dad and Michael Douglas saying, but what choice did I have? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is interesting. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, the point here is that he didn't have to take all this stuff onto his shoulders. He can let some of this stuff drop or to the extent that he did now, maybe Sean Penn's clean and sober. He doesn't have to anymore. I'm like, okay, and then he meets with the he talks with the Alfred, the gender bent Alfred of the Batcave and talks about his father. And she mentions that your father worked too hard and he had the slight manner where he's just invisible in the room. Well, I'm like, that's interesting because like he's certainly they're painting a picture of being a workaholic, but he is not what I would call a, has a slight manner. Mm hmm. 
But like, as far as I can tell, none of these lessons got rolled into again the moral lesson he was supposed to learn. It's it's it get it feels like a Christmas Carol, except for I'm not sure what Scrooge Mc, what what Scrooge McDuck. I'm not sure what McDuck had to learn in his minute money band bin at the end of it. Yeah, I, I feel you. It's it's a little thin there. I think this works better as just a psychological thriller that's not actually trying to get at some resolution for the main character which is yeah. probably why him throwing himself off the building at the end would have worked best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, I mean, he does do that, but just dying from it. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. I saw the Fincher had kind of essentially says this himself. There was a 20th anniversary retrospective where they talked about it, and he mentioned that he regrets not working a little bit more on that third act because he sees it as weak and kind of like mm-hmm. muddled and um and and he mentioned something that this is a, a this made the things a lot made a lot more sense that he thought this was more of a black comedy and really? this remind and, and the fact and when i started seeing him the people can um uh, compare him to kubrick I instantly remembered our experience of watching shit. What is that? Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary, oh, Barry Lyndon, yeah. B- Barry Lyndon, where it's like, I got through that movie and I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? And then I watched a bunch of analysis saying that like, it works better thinking of it as a black comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what these fucking weirdos think is funny. I guess. Like, oh, Coop, that, like, like funny. Barry Lyndon is a real knee slapper. If you're someone cerebral as, as Stanley Kubrick, True. but he's made a genuine knee slapper in Dr. Strangelove. Oh, totally. Like, but was he like yeah. the whole time? Like, ah, oh, just writing this for the fucking Philistines. All Probably. these shoeless idiots out there going to fucking make this black and white nuclear war movie. They probably think this shit's funny. So, and, and Fincher's the same way. He's like, I guess he thought this was a really funny script that you're supposed to think it's absurd, like absurdist funny. And I just, I, this, this wavelength of humor, I just goes over my head, I guess. Yeah, I'm not, dis- I'm not, I'm not classy enough to, in, to think that Michael Douglas throwing himself to his death <laughs> only to crash into his own birthday party is funny. Although I do, I I'm mean, thinking, I'm thinking of what a conceptually it is. It would be. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I'm so he's a main character that I'm trying to empathize with. And if I fell, if I went through that experience and I fell into a birthday party, I I would go falling down on everybody in that room. I I would start throwing fists That's, and elbows and knees and just I would take it to a man because that is fucked up in an entirely different way. But I feel like so I over this weekend, I watched um, Confess Fletch, you know, the okay. new John mm-hmm. uh, John Hamm is, is playing the Chevy Chase Fletch role. I know it's based on a book, whatever. Uh, and I'm well, I was looking at, you know, because it's, it's very similar that you got this guy who's just going through these all these bizarre situations. And he's just kind of like if Michael Douglas was mugging instead of playing it straight and if the mm-hmm. soundtrack was playing zany music instead of minor chords. And if his brother was like uh, 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 David Spade. This would be a comedy like because this shit is just like almost without modification. Hilarious. Yes, but I the movie him is stumbling out of that to tomb. try and figure it out, right? Like that's that's the thing. I, I'm the movie is putting me in his shoes, and he doesn't yeah, find yeah. it funny at all. 
and no, that's what. I but I'm saying for. it's like, but but like I, you know, I'm saying like if he comes out uh, of that tomb yeah, and they play, this funny. they play Curb Your Enthusiasm theme to it. That's fucking. Mm-hmm. He gets a laugh, right? Uh, so yeah, it's I'm a weird failed black comedy. The, maybe I'm not immune to that that wavelength of humor. I just didn't see it in this movie because of yeah. the tone of the movie and the way that they're playing with the audience as the main character. Yeah, I, I lost all of that. If that's what he was going for, it's a failure of a movie. Well, like I said, I don't know. It, it's, it's like I said, it's not a complete failure. It's just I again, I was interested. I will almost say I won't say riveted, but I was definitely interested in, in seeing where this movie was going right up. And, and like there, I, I think that there's like four distinct endings the movie could have gone with. And I was down with three out of the four. Mm-hmm. And but it went with like I, I felt like that's the other thing. It's like anytime a movie starts jerking me around that much, like as I you know when I'm watching, I'm like, I'm essentially talking myself into like you know it's like ah this movie just threw me a curveball. Do I want to catch it? Sure, I'll catch it. Ah, five minutes later, another. It's like eventually I feel like it's I don't even know if the, I can't even tell if the movie ending was bad. It's just I got tired of getting jerked around. You yeah, know, like I, I, I this talk- is an excellent psychological thriller up until the very end. Yeah, and I, okay. I don't think it. I don't think it sticks to landing. Um, but I think it's a, a garbage black comedy because I didn't find it funny at all. <laughs> Do you have anything else we want to say? Because like, I, honestly, that's that's it. Like uh, there's not um, beyond talking about the uh, the the kind of severe filmmaking and uh, the, the pretty taut performance by Douglas here. Yeah. Th- so there's one thing that I feel like they didn't control. They wanted me to think that they had controlled it but i don't think they did it's the pin that um the guy from independence day gives to michael douglas uh to sign the contracts for the game and then later when he's in the airport it ends up in his shirt pocket and leaks Mm -hmm. all over it sending him to the bathroom and they make it clear they show the guy in the airport later on and at the end of the movie that was part of the plan but how how did that pin this cheap ass plastic nothing of a pin with a guy who probably rolls around with a $400 pin, how did that end up in his pocket the next day in an entirely different shirt? Yeah, like he's the type of guy who's going to carry a pin. He's going to have like some $500. Yeah, he's going to discard this thing the moment he he's probably going to throw it in the street as he walks out the, the building door, right? Like, right. He's not keeping yeah. this pin. I, I don't know how they got that into his pocket because mm. they, they do other stuff where like at the hotel, he's got... um the the key or something in his pocket right but the guy bumped into him before that and clearly planted it in his pocket before he went up to the desk uh but i don't see that with the pin i see them planted i don't know how it had continuity mm. yeah uh it's like the biggest I mean, thing also how did they expect him to survive the taxi thing do they say that there's a scuba diver waiting did they uh, you mean at the end ex- was that no, so when they send him into the bay in the taxi, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And he has to get the crank and reattach it. And yeah, you're yeah, you're right. Is, he could have just died there, man. A lot died. of people and do. They had nobody, as best I could tell, controlling that situation. Like, do they? I mean, I, I guess Fincher could scuba divers underwater, but I, that could be external. That could be like stuff I read after the fact. Yeah, they might. I mean, I guess like that's I don't have any problem with that like it's like well we were going to kill the guy so we would have a scuba diver standing by but like if they if that, that happened ends yeah. that ends the game they the game's fucked up you get a refund on that 
you know, right, yeah. like you, you, you pay you you, you, $35 million back. Yeah. You paid $35 million for, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd have to, but like, yeah, I, yeah, they uh, don't have any control over that. No, they couldn't. But yeah. That's what I'm saying. Really like the insane things they get, they, they get up to like him, you know, uh, getting drugged and flown to Mexico and buried in a tomb and all that stuff. Like I, I was trying to think of the scale of that operation too. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know. They made they bribe that priest to look the other way. It looked like it was some kind of church graveyard. Mm-hmm. I will say the one thing I did find funny is when they lock him out of his briefcase when he's trying to fire Anson Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene was pretty funny. Just him well, slowly realizing he's not going to be able to get into this briefcase, which has the severance package in it, so he can't fire this guy. <laughs> as must be your lucky day and then they cut to again this would be funny if they had funny music behind it they they have him at a room where he's in a glass he's in a glass case of emotion and he's just trying to destroy this briefcase like he's banging mm-hmm. it and slapping it and throw he, he looks like the the gorilla in those old samsonite commercials you know uh <laughs> he's just trying for those oh they have gorilla smashing briefcases trying to open yeah them? samsonite commercials used to uh advertise by just like having gorillas and chimpanzees in a room with their and these these apes would just be trying going nuts on this these suitcases just throwing them around and trying to smash them and and crush them and it's like it's like hey the 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 dudes throwing your luggage around in airlines can't possibly do it worse than these gorillas so makes sense yeah but michael michael douglas doing his best samsonite gorilla impersonation is objectively funny (laughs) But it was played as if this man is being fucked over. Like, because that's what it's like. Yeah, I did think he was a little slow to be annoyed by. For example, they say, oh, it's going to it's going to be an hour. And he talks about it taking all day. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know why he did just storm out. That seemed a little implausible. And then here's what I think they do very well in that. They set it up to where they say, oh, yeah, your brother went through this and he got excellent scores. And so there's knowing they do. And, is, and th- that they, is the hook to prove that he can do this better than his brother, I think. Yeah. And you the, the the look on his face when they told him that was kind of like, oh, well, we'll fucking see about that. Yes. Yeah. So he's willing to tolerate a lot more than he would have been. But I thought he's pretty slow because they started fucking with him right away in terms of like making him late, making him miss appointments, making and like mm-hmm. he still was kind of not really fed up with the game aspect of it, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The the other really funny scene is when he finds all the this stuff in the hotel room, right? The pictures and the cocaine and just the <laughs> right. insanity that must have happened that seemed like it happened that previous night. And then he goes to Anson Bear, who he suspects has done this to him, has planted all this. And he's like, mm-hmm. look at these pictures. And and I don't care what picture you can have pictures of me wearing nipple rings and butt fucking Captain but fucking kangaroo. A, Captain kangaroo. <laughs> and it's not going to change anything. And then the guy's just like, I had nothing. To, what are you? You are insane. And this is my wife. Nice to meet you. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is my grandmother. Nice to meet her. Mm-hmm. It, it was really hilarious. Yeah, that's a pretty good line reading. Uh, what are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm just butt fucking, butt fucking, uh, Captain, Captain Kangaroo. Kangaroo. All right, I got one last thing to ask you about. It's this watch that he wears that has an engraving. You know, it's his father's watch. He got it on his 18th birthday as a gift from his mother. 
Uh, somewhere along the way, I can't tell, but I think they force him to sell it because they send him to Mexico. They bury him with no no money, no passport, no ID, nothing. He tries yeah. to go to the embassy, and the guy says, "Hey, I can't help you, but you got a fancy watch there. Why don't you go pawn it for a bus ticket?" Essentially. I think he was asked think, just straight up asking for it as a bribe. I, I think that too. Yeah. But then he leaves and I don't, uh-huh. and he clearly like didn't give it to him as a bribe, but he has money all of a sudden. Does Wait, it, why don't you think he gave it to him as a bribe? I, because I thought that's exactly what happened. He gives the guy so his watch gave, and then so that gets for it. And so now then, he can cross, then the now he can, he can cross the border, get back in the United States. Okay. So, so they did take the watch from him. CRS made him, so. made him sell this watch. Wow. That's fucked up. Well, they made it give it to the guy. I don't think he sold it. I think he literally took it off and handed it to the embassy guy. But your next logical question is, how much money does it take to get an employee embedded in a U.S. embassy in Mexico? Did they? Because I don't remember seeing that guy. So you think that guy just shook him down? I feel like that guy might have just shaken him down. Maybe oh. I'm wrong about that. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I uh, couldn't swear because there's so many. Like I said, there's 500 people yeah. in that cafeteria all eating. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I would think that they would have to because else. But I would think they would give him the watch back. I, I would think they would have made a scene of that, right? Because like this watch means so much to him. It's the memory of his father, and I know they want to like shake him out of that pattern a little bit. That would have been nice if if Sean Penn watch. If Sean Penn had said happy birthday and given him a box that had the watch back in it. Yes. The kind of tight. Yeah, that would have been a uh, if. if, And and then a line of like, don't don't let this become everything again or something like that. Right. Right. Because there is there is a little like maybe that watch represented his burden, you know, Uh of trying to be his father. And shedding. Trying to live live up to him. Yeah. 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 But they they didn't really connect that to again that this last act is pretty messy it's pretty messy and disconnected yeah okay well that clears up some of the questions i had about that so that's good all right i think that's going to do it for our coverage of michael douglas and david fincher's the game we'll be back next week for another prestige film it's going to be belfast as i mentioned these films are selected me and jim come up with a list of three movies that we feel like podcasting about and our executive producers on patreon are the ones that help us get there if you would like to get in on that uh, sage selection process go to support.baldmove.com to find out all the benefits the many benefits of becoming a club member we'll be back next week to talk about belfast until then i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya